1: Welcome you back to the Inez Says Podcast. I am Scott Inez. Thanks for climbing aboard today. You can find the podcast all over the place, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can also find it right there on the front page of the WDBO app and WDBO.com. And I invite you to join me every single weekday morning, Orlando's Morning News with Scott Inez, 5 to 9 a.m. on WDBO 107.3 FM and AM 580. Be sure to stream us right there in the WDBO app. Well, one domino has fallen, and I think it would be great for the entire nation if more of these woke college presidents tumble from their ivory towers. Over the weekend, former University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill resigned from her post after some very tone-deaf testimony in front of Congress last week. That testimony was a complete and utter disaster for not only Liz McGill, but for those college presidents from Harvard and and MIT. McGill resigned on Saturday as the beginning of woke university presidents facing consequences for failing to condemn student calls for the genocide of Jews. After the news broke of McGill's resignation, New York Representative Elise Stefanik posted on X, one down, two to go. Harvard and MIT do the right thing. Well, if you did not get to listen to these college presidents and how they responded to Congress last week, let me give you a little taste here congressman stefanik did make a name for herself after asking mcgill point blank whether calling for the genocide of jews would violate the university's code of conduct at that hearing and mcgill infamously replied that it is a context dependent decision listen in here go
2: does calling for the genocide of jews violate penn's rules or code of conduct yes or no If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment, yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes speech or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm gonna give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes
1: really amazing testimony. It really was. And I think the utter tone deafness of the former president at UPenn, Liz McGill, and the other two from MIT and Harvard, and really the ideological, the the wokeness of these college presidents showed through last week on Capitol Hill. And I think that is one of the reasons, quite frankly, why our culture is off the rails right now. So hopefully, we will see many more of these college presidents stepping aside because the fish rots at the head. And Lord knows, with some of the students that these schools are producing, let's just say they are very much lacking in, oh, common sense. Now, Steve Roberts has been in academia for over 30 years. Steve, a longtime journalist and current political analyst for ABC News. And I caught up with Steve and asked him about what he thought about the resignation of Liz McGill and the potential of other college president resignations in the future. Here's that chat now. I know you've been in academia for a long time, and I got to tell you, I listened to some of that testimony last week by those college presidents, not only at UPenn but Harvard and MIT. And I think I, along with many folks, was kind of shocked at the tone deafness of it all—the the, matter-of-fact way that these presidents addressed what I think is a very serious issue. You know, I, I was hoping for some humanity, and and they. <laughs> They never showed it to me, so what was your take on what we saw during that testimony last week, Steve?
0: Well, I largely agree, and you're right. Look, I've taught college at George Washington University for thirty three years um and i you know I live with young people all the time, and um what these university presidents did was take a very legalistic view of this issue, particularly Liz McGill, the President of Pennsylvania, she's a lawyer, she was dean of the Stanford Law School, and she kept repeating, as you say in a tone deaf way well we defend free speech until it becomes conduct now that is exactly right in terms of the american legal tradition that we don't proscribe uh, free speech we defend it and the at, the only point at which you really um set boundaries to speech is when it directly threatens someone else this was the principle by the way exactly the principle that twitter used when it banned donald trump after january 6th they said you know we've always defended trump's right to speak but now He's directly encouraging people to commit violent acts at the Capitol, and that justifies uh, uh, banning him from Twitter. It was the same uh, intellectual argument. But here's what the what they failed to do. If they were right from the legal point of view, they were profoundly wrong, in my view, from the moral point of view, because they never denounced anti-Semitism. They never denounced the bullying. They never denounced the harassment. People have a right to be wrong, but the answer to uh, hate speech. The answer to antisemitism, and the answer to bullying, is not to ban it. It's to rebut it. It's mm-hmm. to answer it. Mm-hmm. The answer is is more speech. It's it's and they failed to meet the moral moment. They interpreted the uh, the whole issue as a legal one, not a moral one. And leading a university is not just a legal obligation. It is a moral obligation. And it was that failure. To uh, meet the moral moment that has caused them so much trouble. And as you point out, not only has the president of Penn resigned, but the presidents at Harvard and then team are kind of shaky because uh, there's been an enormous outcry, particularly from wealthy alumni um, who have been threatening to withdraw a lot of their donations because of this moral failure on the part of the three university presidents
1: yeah one donor threatening to withhold 100 million dollars but when we're talking about the middle east as you well know it always gets complicated but to me there's nothing complicated about the disturbing issue of anti-semitism there's nothing you know complicated about what we saw on october 7th with the murder and the rape and the so forth and the so on anti-semitism has been a meteoric rise here and I think you said it. It's like just come out and be human instead of legalistic, Steve.
0: Well, yes, and you know it, it gets complicated because uh, being against the policies of the government of Israel is not the same as being anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. They can be. You can distinguish between those two. There are a lot of American Jews who don't support the Netanyahu government and who don't support Israel's military uh, uh, policies in Gaza, but. Um, uh, this whole issue has gotten much more complicated in terms of anti-Semitism, and there have been many expressions of anti-Semitism on, on campuses. And I think part of the reason for this, Scott, is that, you you know, the, the Holocaust is a historic event to young people. Um, the formation of Israel in 1948, even the wars that Israel fought for survival in 67 and 73 against Arab invasions, it's all ancient history. And uh, what you see, and I think, on campuses is this identifying with the Palestinians as a uh, repressed minority. You know, this is a direct descendant from Black Lives Matter to Palestinian Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what's happening on campuses. And in the same way there was that spasm of resentment of the police, defund the police uh, a few years ago, I think you're seeing a, a similar mindset. And... Um, And and anti-Semitism is always simmered right below the surface of of almost every civilization. And this is an excuse for it to come spurting out. Mm. Um, And uh, uh, what what is needed by these university presidents while they're defending free speech is to be denouncing the anti-Semitism and the harassment. But part of what has happened also on college campuses is that they've gotten twisted into knots with these speech codes. These same professors, these same presidents who are robustly defending free speech at times have uh, been in favor of speech codes over the years, which say, oh, no, students sh- shouldn't be uh, made uncomfortable. There shouldn't be, shouldn't feel pain or, or disruption. And um, these same people who are defending free speech have not always defended free speech, particularly. For conservatives, you know, they're defending free speech for liberals, but not for conservatives. You look at what happened on the Stanford University campus last spring where a, um, a conservative judge was shouted down by hecklers in the, um, uh, in the law school, and a university administrator got up and, and justified the hecklers by saying the speech of the, of the conservative judge was painful to them. So it gets very complicated. And in these university presidents who are defending free speech now have not always done it in the past because these codes on campus are very twisted and, 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 and have uh, proscribed a lot of speech in the past. And that's one of the reasons why it's such a complicated issue. But the bottom line here is, They failed their uh, test of moral leadership.
1: Thanks to ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts for appearing on the Inez Says Podcast today. That's going to wrap it up for the podcast. Join me on the radio every weekday morning, Orlando's Morning News with Scott Inez, 5 to 9 a.m. on WDBO 107.3 FM and AM 580. I'll see you next time.